Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce this next podcast. It is the first of three parts of a conversation I had with my friend Brian about inner healing and about his journey, which is ongoing, and what he's learned about the topic of inner healing. So we're still in our inner healing series. And how I know Brian is I worked with him for years at a church. We both worked in vocational ministry. He was full-time. I was part-time. He was there for a super long time and had grown up in that church. And then I was there on staff for a total of 10 years. So I overlapped with his time there for eight, eight years, I think. So now he, I'm still work closely with him because he owns a podcast company and I work for him like as a side hustle. So I wanted to talk to him because he's been walking out a healing journey. Our church that we worked at lost our founding pastor to leukemia. And then two and a half years later, lost the next pastor who happened to be his oldest son that had taken the baton from him. He died in August of 2018 from suicide. So our time working at that church was really difficult, having been hit with those two big losses. And we talk a little bit about our our experience, but also about like unpacking trauma after the fact when when you lose someone or something happens that's traumatic, but you don't realize just how much it's affecting you till later. So I know a lot of you can probably relate to that. And I just thought it was cool to hear his story and hear what God's been teaching him about. This first part of the three-part conversation that I cut up is about kind of what happened. And we talk about like church, working at churches in general, there's that being hard in general in some ways. And then I will hop on for part two and part three and kind of explain where we went in the conversation from there. But I hope this is helpful to anyone who might be walking through grief loss, church hurt of any kind, and trying to get a grasp on what they're feeling or what their body is manifesting after a stressful season or anything like that. Yeah, I hope you guys feel encouraged and have some connecting points with his healing journey as you walk out your own healing journey. So I'm here with my friend, Brian Murphy, who was previously my boss at a church and who's now my boss for one of my podcast editing jobs, one of my many side <laughs> hustles. So thanks for being potentially on my podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you approve. Of what we're, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where this goes. It's going to be good. Whether we recorded it or not, I wanted to have a conversation with someone who had been through some of the same ministry experiences and losses that I've experienced when I was in vocational ministry. And someone who just knows a lot about healthy leadership, I guess, is what I would call it, and has studied that topic. And so my first question, because I'm doing this inner healing series on my podcast, talking about how God not only heals people physically, but he's so eager to work in the hearts of his children to heal them like emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and all of it uh, goes together. So... My question for you is, as a Christian, do you believe in healing? What's your definition of what is healing from God? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question to kind of like <laughs> frame the conversation on, but I think it's important because, yeah, I mean, to answer your question bluntly, yes, I do believe in healing. I've seen healing, and I think when we think of healing, we go directly to the physical aspect, like, 
oh, my hip was sore, injured, I had a broken leg, and then I could walk. You know, so that's kind of the, I'd say, like, the consensus as far as when people think about healing. And I haven't experienced, personally, I haven't experienced a healing like that, and I haven't witnessed a healing like that. But I have seen, when I think of healing, I think of deliverance. I've seen people who have persevered, who have found peace. I think there's this synonym of healing and and peace. Mm -hmm. And that can only be brought about through revelation and scripture and God's Mm -hmm. guidance and love. So I think if that was like a messy description or explanation of how I would define healing would be deliverance, revelation of peace through, through God. And that is something I have seen firsthand and have seen in others and especially in a season that we were both in we saw a lot of crazy stuff but we also saw i think a lot of deliverance and a lot of healing as well yeah yeah i agree and i think it's god's love that heals like when we're watching someone come to a place of like wholeness or freedom or deliverance or sobriety or whatever their healing journey is we're watching God's love, like the fruit of his love work in their life because it's his love that heals us. It's not necessarily his, I mean, all of his attributes are involved, his holiness and goodness and his power are certainly at work. But the reason that healing is such a pervasive theme in the Christian life is rooted in his love, the love of the Father. And I think when that is actuated and when that manifests, what we're seeing is healing, restoration, wholeness, right? So I totally agree with with your picture of it. And I think it's something that a lot of people need right now, maybe more than before, because we've all gone through grief and life change and trauma Mm -hmm. and collective trauma. And the world is just kind of in need of like, that peace that you're mm-hmm. describing and the the healing touch that like you said can only come from God. There's so many like fake versions of it. <laughs> right. Like, counterfeit spiritual healing modalities out there. So that's another reason I wanted to talk about like what does inner healing look like with Jesus? Because um I think a lot of people are seeking after those other modalities because maybe their experience in the church was a little bit watered down or didn't really explain it to them like mm-hmm. all that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, okay, I'm a Christian now and I'm going to heaven. It's like, but what do we daily have access to? The the victory mm. and the deliverance that we can walk out in our lives here. And if we don't get discipled in the healing journey in the church, we're more likely to like seek out how right. to find relief in other ways. Like whether it's like the new age practices or right. I don't know, just other things that we can tend to put our hope in. <laughs> Even like going to doctors all the time or, you know, (laughs) different things, becoming an AA person that goes every night to AA or whatever it is. Like really what we're seeking after is something that the Father God is eager to offer us, right? Right. Rather than something that you seek in an an experience, you, you go to this thing and you get caught up in this experience or you get caught up in a, in a song or even get caught up in a message or, or whatever. And yeah, there's something exciting about those moments, but is that true healing? Like you feel great for that 60 minutes and then Monday comes and it's like, oh, those same, 
the same demons I'm wrestling are still there. Like, what was that about? Yeah. It's like the camp high versus right, totally. yeah. discipleship under Christ's <laughs> lordship, like right. which is not as shiny and shimmery sometimes, mm. but is more effective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, so maybe we can jump from there to like, so North American evangelical culture in general, it has sought after a lot of like the charismatic, shiny stuff, right? right. The feeling, the hype, the sense of maybe even like showmanship that has caused it, brought us to this place where like, before we started recording, we were talking about the Mars Hill podcast, like, how does that happen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Part of the how the heck does that happen is maybe our priorities are kind of shallow as far as like what Christianity even looks like, right? Like you're describing this kind of like really feel good church service. Right. And if that's someone's definition of healing, how unstable could that be, you know, as compared to like the people who have found like actual depth of community and discipleship that are being walked through a, a journey of healing that looks more sustainable, right? So I don't know, yeah. what are your thoughts on any of oh, that? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I mean, cause it feels like there's like this pendulum that that we try to, we collectively thinking about the church and we're talking about the US, the church in the US, and there's like this pendulum of, you talked about the seeker sensitive movement that was so prevalent 25 years ago. And now I feel like there's like a resurgence of this mm -hmm. <laughs> seeker sensitive where, that model is so focused on the welcoming aspect of people, which is great at the heart, but the most welcoming and loving thing to do is to have the gospel front and center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> rather, rather than a cover song that somebody heard on American <laughs> Idol, yeah. that that's kind of like where it started was like this, okay, well, the culture is doing this and we're gonna emulate that by someone walking in and hearing ACDC and like, oh, I, I heard that song as I was pulling into the church parking lot. That's the experience to get caught up in. Then you get caught up in this kind of rock worship experience and they get caught up in a motivational talk experience. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, join a small group, you know, a little asterisk at the end of the message. Mm -hmm. And then you're off to eat lunch. At yeah. Lucille's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's your Sunday. That's your church experience. That's like the Chino Hills Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> our, our church that we worked at was in Chino Hills, and we had this pretend person named Chino Hills Charlie from like the early 2000s that drove a truck that was there because he has kids now, right? Yeah, 2.5 kids. 2.5 kids. <laughs> but now in my questioning mode that I'm in now, I'm like, is was that the best, most effective approach? Maybe God was breathing on that approach for a season. Or my more skeptical side is like, what if Chino Hills Charlie would have been able to detect the power of God, hear the Lord for his life, and begin to disciple him with all the gifts operating and all of the, the truths of the power of the gospel in full display from the beginning? It's not like the place we worked didn't disciple people. We did. Right. We saw that every day. Like we saw incredible like <laughs> right. stories and testimonies and salvations. Mm -hmm. So obviously the Lord was working. It's just like now I'm like, yeah, it's such an interesting topic to look at. Like 
a body of believers and the priorities that they live out weekly. And is there one right way to do that? Probably not. It's probably cultural and contextual everywhere that churches are. But how do we make sure that the top priority is like a, a sold out lover of Christ leading others into a place of wholeness and closeness to the Lord and that each of those small group leaders are equipped to like mm-hmm. go from there, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm kind of going on a tangent about church health, but I think of course, part of the natural like grieving process is asking like, could that have been avoided? Could that have been done differently? Looking back, you can see unhealth more clearly than when you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Oh, goodness. Yeah. hundred percent. How and how did this happen? How the hell did we get here? <laughs> right. Yeah. People dying. Right. What in the world? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that was like, and then he, okay, so like now as we're in like hindsight, I don't know how, you know, being in the, because I feel like in the moment, I can only speak for myself and maybe some of those close around me like you I, I know in the moment or in prayer and even leading up to different events and we're seeking God and and it, it, it everything still felt like a runaway train like it just not sure what we could have done differently yeah as we're in the three five however many years looking back at it yeah yeah Yeah, i think it was a lot of mixed realities together god was working god was speaking and and we were listening and, and responding but i don't think it was perfectly i don't think certain things were being addressed at certain roots and i think that it gave the enemy a an a foothold i also think there was a targeted high level spiritual attack in a way that I haven't I haven't always experienced that level of so it was it was a gnarly situation but yeah I, th- I think a bunch of imperfect people had created an imperfect culture that God was using but that had vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and and oversights right? right and the enemy like I guess exploited those but what has healing looked like in your life after you lost your boss slash pastor slash close, pretty close friend to suicide in 2018? Yeah, those that first six months, first even year or two after, there was so much adrenaline, especially those that first within that first year. There was a lot of adrenaline and a lot of holy intervention as well. Like there was this weird peace that I've never like experienced on this level before, even the day of. And running through that, I think at first that was pretty healthy, like staying pretty close to God. And I I knew that there was going to be, as far as my leadership was concerned, that I was going to need to like step up a bit more and be a bit more bold in leading and I felt equipped for that. But after those first six months or nine months, um, I just started, I was running too hard and I, I didn't realize it. Even so much so, I was like, well, what if I applied for the 
and like hindsight, like, holy cow. It's a no big job, way. that lead pastor role. <laughs> that's a big what if. No, yeah. Because even going back, so if we were going just in context, prior to 2018, I would say back in 2015, uh, I knew that my time in ministry in that capacity or that role well, was something that I wanted to pursue other ventures more on the entrepreneurial side and building something of my own. And I've kind of had that instilled growing up. And it was just like, okay, in 2015, I don't know what it was, but I just knew, okay, I gave myself like a five-year plan. Like, okay, in five years, I want to be able to transition out healthily and to be able to have something that's sustainable that I can work from home and and do what I love. And I, I so towards the end of 2018, I started getting really mad because that wasn't a part of my plan. That's <laughs> selfish. Of course not. This wasn't part of anybody's plan. But like, I was already on the brink of resigning and it just felt like okay now i need to like really you know hone in and in god and he's he's the only one that's going to be able to get me through this and and he did but towards the end of 2018 and into 2019 it started getting a bit more frustrated because there was still not that much direction as far as what the next steps were. I know myself and an interim pastor were pretty, ban- we're band-aids. <laughs> we're just trying to like make the next Sunday happen and keep the church open. And it, it just felt like it wasn't going to end. And I knew I like, I had to get out of there and out of the situation in order to heal because healing didn't start until I resigned. And I don't think I've even, like, I haven't stepped foot on, on the campus. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know. But anyways, it, it, it took, it took until 2020, January, 2020, when I resigned in order to like really start the healing process for myself. Yeah. And then, of course, after January 2020, <laughs> nothing weird happened and you had totally enough time to process and the world gave you a break, right? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, it's it's these huge events that are completely out of any of, of our controls. But even, yeah. you know, in my finite planning and dreaming and scheming, like, we're totally not what I had journaled. Yeah, I, I, yeah, anybody, you know, so it's like it sounds so selfish, like verbalizing that. But I think as we get more into the healing aspect, it's important to to recognize that because that matters your your inner thoughts, your emotions, they, they matter. So, yeah, in, in January 2020, I was filled with energy to like uh, feel like the transition was healthy and, and and that felt good, at least from my end. And I think most people that I was aware of. So I I ran into what was these couple projects that I had been working on and I ran full into it, had 2020 mapped out. And then <laughs> yeah, March yeah. of you know 2020, I just remember I was talking to an old friend at the time while we were texting 
And we're just talking about like music projects. And he happens to work in a, the local school district that we're in. And he's like, uh, I got chills thinking about it. He's like, they just, they just shut down the schools. Like as we're, you're just, you know, you're just watching the events. Like, yeah, I think it was like March 18th or something like is in my head. And you're just watching all this stuff kind of like, and it wasn't until like, okay, this is like real. I just remember feeling like cold and like clammy and like, yeah. what in the world yeah. are we going through? Where would you, where are we about to walk into right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a trip. And one of the, we, I don't know if we, if we'll talk about it, but if it doesn't matter too much, but one of the um, projects I'm in is about travel mm -hmm. and it's about destination travel. And yeah, so that was like, okay, that project is on hiatus until oh for the foreseeable future. <laughs> well, for the record, I think you did a great job pivoting and talking about traveling during COVID, you know, a few months after that, right. the shutdowns. But yeah, you you have always been pretty agile with like the business side of things but yeah i know we're both enneagram threes and we can work when we don't feel okay inside right and at some point we have to like let allow ourselves and see the value in pausing and like making sure we're okay inside and that i think it is tricky when you're still in the ministry context where a lot of hurt has happened there's parts that you just shut off until it's safe to like unpack so it does make sense to me that you said like after you resigned there was space to start the grieving process the healing process right yeah but i didn't take advantage of that time either so like i said i like went full throttle and then obviously that thing hit i won't mention it so your podcast episode doesn't get screened for it <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah they're listening to the word they are now oh my it's crazy but on the side i've been doing podcast production and editing for clients and in that period a lot of people started podcasts oh, yeah so 2020 i happened to be like a huge year for for my podcast editing production business so that was really great. It didn't allow much time to, to really pause. And what I was, you know, what's weird is like, I didn't think I needed it. Like, oh, my friend died and I worked at a church for 20 years, but I'm fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I, you know, okay. I thought some of it had already been worked through and you know, I talked to one person about it and I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll go about and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and, and I'll be fine and it'll all be good. But yeah, 2020 led to habits of more drinking that I wanted to do, weight gain, lack of exercise, lack of motivation, and just identity of like, what am I really doing? Like the podcast production was going really great, but like, that's not like, that fulfilling but like it's provided for my family so that's fulfilling that's cool but who, who am i and and where's my healing it wasn't until 2021 was a huge pivotal year like i heard about anxiety and panic attacks I, i've dealt with anxiety over the years and have been able to manage it through healthy habits of eating right and exercising but those safeguards 
those habits weren't in place. I hit a crazy anxiety attack one day. I didn't know what it was. I was editing a podcast and like my whole body just like almost went numb. Like, and my heart was racing. I felt dizzy. I felt like I was losing my mind. I like, I had 911 pulled up to like, what is going on? <laughs> I went upstairs into my recliner and I just like, okay, I have 20 minutes until I need to go pick up my girl from kindergarten. I just got to take some deep breaths and fear, fear that I started calming down. I'm like, what in the world was that? Yeah, I thought something was wrong with my heart. I thought like something physically, obviously there was a manifestation of the physical, what I was mentally going through, but it wasn't that like, that was like a, a huge pivotal moment that I need some help. And I remember making that drive to go pick up my girl. I think I like hit a curve. And, like I was just like, so like, Not, I shouldn't no, be driving yeah, right now. But I, have to. <laughs> I have to, I'm going to be okay. And, um, yeah, I got, got through that day. That day like kicked off a series of many anxiety attacks throughout the oh, next cu couple months. Yeah. And, and then I had, I would say an undiagnosed of, of COVID and which led to some crazy equilibrium and like inner ear Ugh. problems that made the anxiety worse. So we're talking about six months of like of, health, extreme of health. health issues. Yeah. Like I just want to, I just want to lay down all day. And like some days I just lay down and yeah. like it was. Cause you're dizzy if you try to. Yeah. It up. was awful. That is awful. I needed help. <laughs> you know, so get the physical, everything obviously is fine. Blood work, everything is good. And then it's like, oh yeah, I should maybe like seek out some counseling. Yeah. And I found this amazing woman who happens to be a faith. And it wasn't until she said the word trauma that like, it like hit me like, yeah. And I remember asking her, I'm like, was what I went through, was that trauma? <laughs> like, like super like innocent and naive. Like that was yeah. like, I just think of trauma, like someone gets right. in a gnarly like, car accident like in a or, war. right. Yeah. Like that's trauma. Yeah. Like, right. Like, and she's like, no, that was, that's trauma. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. It helps to name it. <laughs> right. You know. Have you ever heard of a book called The Body Keeps the Score? No. In the spoony world, which is, just means the like, chronic illness world, I guess. Yeah. The Body Keeps the Score is like this big book because it's one of the earlier explanations of how our physical ailments could be related to traumas that have happened in our past. And that's such a tricky topic because at some point it sounds victim blamey if you mm -hmm. describe it wrong. Or it just or it is like the thing that I and many of us have experienced where People are just denying that anything's wrong. So that's not what it is. Like your pain is real. Your dizziness was real. Your anxiety attacks were real and they were physical. But could there be a connection to previous experiences in life or thought patterns or whatever that began in, in the brain and in the heart and then moved to affect the body? Mm. When basically... There's a lot of research and a lot of data that shows that our bodies store memory and store experiences. For my own healing journey, 
it's been interesting to try to dive into what might be related. What caused my digestion to go crazy? Was it just a bacterial infection? Or was that another rung on this ladder of like, what led to this? Mm. And could some of the other factors be the stress I experienced having OCD and not sleeping and hating myself a lot over 10 years prior to that bacterial infection? You know what I mean? So these things do manifest in our bodies often. And that doesn't mean it's our fault or we did something wrong. It just means when life happens, it doesn't only affect our minds or our metaphysical hearts. It's affecting the dwelling that we're operating in as well. It's really interesting because I think Western medicine and the average doctor visit doesn't really get into that. But I think there's something to it for sure. Yeah, in, in processing... 2018 and 2019 events with that therapist realized that was really only the tip of the iceberg and some of the things that we needed to process and go back to childhood, go back to not knowing my dad, going back, not having a firm, stable foundation and wanting to control my environment and outcomes. Right was something that we really needed to peel back and go back and heal from and, and process through and know what my triggers are and know, understand more about, well, one, whose I am and God, how God sees me, but mm -hmm. also to how this crazy sinful world has impacted my thinking and thoughts and and how to try to move as healthily through that yeah it's it's almost like thank you former brian for <laughs> doing what you needed to do to survive and to cope as a kid yeah in that like hard out of control feeling situation but now adult self brian will take it from here and we're gonna do things a little bit differently right because it's okay that we're not in control and we're safe now, right? Like, right. for me, I don't want to get mad at myself for developing those mentalities as a kid or a young adult. I just want to acknowledge, like, you had to do something. <laughs> right. And you that's the tools you had at right. that stage of development. And thanks, for, you know, we're okay now. I'll take it from here. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. 100% it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.